It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans at the lovely Columns Hotel on St. Charles Avenue. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. In the next 60 minutes, you'll get to meet just four of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans. And you'll get to hear some live music at the end of the show. You might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. But you probably know that already. So let's get on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together, my special guests sitting around the table here at the Collins Hotel are an incredible eclectic bunch of New Orleanians, including Ernest Svensson, also known as Ernie the Attorney. Yep. Ernie the Attorney is more than just an attorney, though. Isn't that right, Ernie? Uh, I guess so, yeah. He's an award-winning blogger, a public speaker, a legal efficiency expert, and he's even been a DJ on WTUL. Long time ago, yeah. Becky Diamante, is that how I pronounce it? Correct. Thank you. Is also known as Techie Becky. I see you made a face. That is a dreadful name, isn't it? You made a face twice now. It's stuck to you, though. She's a walking, talking version of computing for dummies. Becky can whip your computer into submission if you're a regular Joe, and if you're a real estate agent, she can really get your computer to kick ass. That's a good <laughs> Thank you to whoever wrote that. In a dose of cuteness, quite out of character for happy hour, Techie Becky is married to Ernie the Attorney. Yep, that's right. That's this crazy, weird situation. <laughs> and there's our producer who booked those. Where is that? There she is. Thank you, Graham. That's a wacky idea. Julie Neal is an artist and a designer who specializes in brightening up your life literally with light fittings. After starting out making picture frames for art therapy, Julie's inspired and handcrafted light fittings are now sought after and sold around the world. And she looks good in red lipstick, wouldn't you agree? I do, yes. Mia? I agree. You agree? Mia Borders is our music guest this afternoon. Mia Borders is a New Orleans singer and songwriter who's taken the city and the country by storm in just two short years. After being a surprise hit at Jazz Fest in 2010, Mia has gone on to play across the country from Bonnaroo to the Kennedy Center. Wow. She's released five records. Her latest record, Wherever There Is, is just out this week. Congratulations, Mia. How is it doing? So far, so good. So far, so good? Yeah. Mitch Foreman is playing the piano here. Normally, Mitch Foreman would now come in and make some sort of smart-ass comment about something, but he's not with us today. He's in Los Angeles doing a show for the Agape Church. Mm. How about that? You ever heard of the Agape Church? I haven't. Anybody go to church here? A long time ago. <laughs> Mia, how old are you? I'm 24. 24. So how long ago was it when you went to church? Um, probably about 10 years ago. I'm willing to bet it was Christmas. You went to church at Christmas when you were 14. <laughs> Who Easter. took you? My grandmother, more than likely. Yeah, she's like churchy. Very churchy. Yes, yes. What's her name? Florence. Florence what? Borders. Florence Borders. You're not relation to the book people, are you? I wish. Well, no, not anymore. They no, they've all closed. They, they went under. They've gone under. Yeah, you would have lost uh, a lot of money. Yeah. So Florence Borders is your dad's mom. Yes. And who's your mom's mom? Um, Betsy Acosta. Acosta. So that's that Italian? Uh, Mexican. Mexican. So what's your background then? Are you part Mexican and part New Orleanian? Yes, pretty much. I like to say Blacksican. Blacksican. <laughs> yeah. That's the name of your record label. That is the name of my record label. That's why. You did your homework. Well, I, well, I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> was Blacksican because you're black and Mexican? Yeah, among other things, but those are the only two that really fit in one word together. What are the other ones we could try and help you? I Becky, think if I, Techie Becky could make it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be Blacksidermexicanlish. Well, I think. that's not bad. I, that's terrible. Becky, can you improve on that? I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so the record came out this week. Yeah. It's called what if, Wherever There Is. Wherever There Is, yeah. And what does it refer to? Wherever There Is what? Um, I'm getting there, wherever there is. So you're supposed to leave that in the uh, mind of the beholder? Yeah. Wherever there is for you. That's 
wherever there is. Okay. So Ernie and Becky, how did you guys meet? Well, originally we worked at the same law firm together, and um, that was where we met originally, but we, we became romantically involved right after Katrina, or maybe right during Katrina, I'm not sure. Was it when you had sex during the storm? Well, you know, I, I can't really, remember. Not really, I don't know. It's, it's, no, no. it's all, Katrina's yes. very fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> what day was that? Uh, the 29th of August. That's the first time you had sex was during Hurricane Katrina? <laughs> yeah. During the actual storm? Well, you know, the storm lasted a long time, so it's hard to pinpoint whether it was exactly during the storm or right after, but somewhere in there. <laughs> I, I, was, I was in that storm. I, I couldn't, I'd have no trouble pinpointing when it was the storm and when it was finished. You must have been quite pretty preoccupied. Uh, we were busy. You must have been pretty preoccupied not to know when there was a Category 5 hurricane and when there wasn't. And it wasn't. <laughs> so tell us what happened, Becky. <laughs> we were sealed in. Oh, that's how it We happened. didn't evacuate. Sealed in. Where, where were you? In at a your high rise on the river. On a high rise in a what? In an office building? No, my, it, my dad had a condominium and oh, he was God, on the 10th floor. Oh, God, it's worse than and, I thought. Yeah. And he, my and he, dad's condominium. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. On the 10th floor? Yeah, yeah. Of what building? Uh, one, two, three, Walnut, right there by the zoo. Oh, yeah, okay. Wow, that's a great spot to be stuck and watch the storm. Did you see the whole thing roll in? Uh, no, because we had to roll down the storm shutters, so no. we couldn't really see anything out. But It's pitch black. Wow, so you're stuck in there right by the zoo at 123 Walnut, which is a great address to have sex at, I would think. Well, and we not only had sex, we were able to, um, to do some looting right there in the building without <laughs> having to leave. <laughs> Everyone else had gone? Yeah, Be- Becky can tell you that part of the story because she was really the instigator of the looting incident. Well, I guess as an attorney, you wouldn't want to admit to looting, but are you an attorney still, Becky? You no, got out of that? I'm not a okay, lawyer. Okay, so now you're not a lawyer, you can tell us. What did you loot? Well, I thought I would show Ernie some um, really cool condos in the building that I had been in before, and um, one of the people is sort of a public figure, and her co- condo was the coolest, and she left the key in the door as she was evacuating. Okay, so there was we, no, no, we, no looting. No breaking. So, <laughs> Julie, you're from I uptown New Orleans, right? Yes. Okay, guess who it was. Who was it? Nia Terazakis. <laughs> she knows now. Nia Terazakis is a, a dermatologist. <laughs> yes. Wow. She doesn't live there anymore. No, she, she knows. We confessed. I mean, she left her food there, and it was going to go bad, so basically... We took something that was going to go bad anyway. So it wasn't so bad. That was after the storm. Yes, that part I remember. So you were, <laughs> so you were dating sort of already because you no, decided to stay together. No, that's kind of Katrina being in the same locked-in place at the same time was kind of what triggered everything. So we, we have Katrina to thank for our relationship. So it started off, the first time you went on a date was during <laughs> Hurricane Katrina. You weren't dating at I, all. I wouldn't call it a date, but yeah, we could, you know. What would you call it? An encounter. Why did you decide of all people in the world to evacuate together to 123 Walnut to your dad's condo? I mean, you could have picked anyone to take to 123 Walnut to your dad's condo. No, I lived, to try and I lived She lived there. You lived there? I yes. lived there. And your dad had an apartment in the same building. He had moved away, and he needed somebody to take care of it, and Becky had moved to town, and I told him, Becky's very good at taking care of things. You would be well off to let her take care of your place. And then she was there. She said she was going to leave, and she didn't. And then I was trying to leave, but I couldn't. So that was basically... So fate threw you together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's quite, a, quite a nice story. And up to that point, neither of you had considered being a couple. Nope. Really? Look at that face. <laughs> that was the same face you made when I said, <laughs> you were married. Oh, God. I... Okay. Now we're really getting something. Does anybody else at the table have any questions? Because anyone can say anything at this point. Julie, what are you thinking? I think that's wonderful. I think that... <laughs> Really? It was kismet. Are you married? No. Are you married, me or no? Okay. Anyone else is married sitting in the room here? 
There's no married women sitting in this room. You're married over there. What would, you th- what would your husband think if you ended up in a, uh, in a room with some other guy and had sex with him during the storm? I've been married almost 48 years. 48 years. Would that, would that be out of character? <laughs> what about you, Becky? Was that out of character for you or were you no, banging we were all sorts of people? Oh, we you, or separated and married aren't the same thing. This is like a sort of a like a, a sort of a courtroom scene here. Right? It is, isn't it? You guys can all chip in, by the way, Julie. So you think it's romantic? Are you not married at no. all? No. Were you ever married? Yes, I was. And what happened? What went so divorce. wrong? I got a divorce. How long ago? Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. Wow. How long were you married for? Eighteen years. What happened? Eighteen years is a long time to put in. It is. Well, I have I have stamina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many good ones were there in the 18? Are you counting? Are you counting? <laughs> wow. Really? Yes. None. But I'm I'm a good thinker. I can fix it person. And then at some point you say I can fix something else. I can fix this by exiting. So okay. I did. So that was your idea to call it a day. Yes. And is he happier now? I'm sure As he well. is. You don't know where, what happened to him? No, I do. I do. <laughs> I have he? two children, so I know, you know, we have to raise them together. He's in New Orleans. We were high school sweethearts, so we're both from here, and I don't think we want to go anywhere else, and we have two kids. Did you go to the same high school? We did not. Which one did you go to? This I'm is a real New Orleans question. If you listen to the show outside of New Orleans, one of the questions that people ask each other here all the time, or they're not all the time, but as a sort of a way of rating what kind of a person you're talking to is what school did you go to? <laughs> yes, I went to St. Martin's. What does that tell us about you? You guys? Mia, what would that tell you about um, someone who goes to St. Martin's? I actually almost went to St. Martin's myself. Uh, good education. Um, I don't know. Metri, bruh. It's in Metri? It's in Metri, <laughs> yes. Ernie, what would you say? About, wait, what's, what high school did you go to? Did you go to school here? Uh, no, I went to high school in Panama. I lived Panama. in Panama for four years. Okay, what? we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that momentarily. <laughs> Becky, are you from here? No. So just you two guys, Julie and Mia. Mia, what? you're from here. I am. Mia, what high school did, did you go, go to? High school? I actually went to boarding school in Connecticut. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, now we're on to boarding school in so. Connecticut and high school in Panama. Let's get on to boarding school in Connecticut. That's a strange Let's place to go. Do it. For Blacksican, sure. isn't it? It is. How a many Blacksicans were not, there? Blacks not too many? Blacksicans <laughs> ah, from New Orleans. Yeah. What they think lot. of Blacksican from New Orleans when you showed up in Connecticut? Um, I don't know. I guess that's when I kind of realized how cool it was to be from New Orleans because everybody would say, Oh, where are you from? And I would say, New Orleans. Would be, oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciated it a lot. But uh, it was an international boarding school, so there were. Much more diverse people than just a blacksican. What made so. you go there? Um, my brother went 10 years before me, and uh, they offered me a full scholarship, so I went. What made him go there, then? Um, our family wanted him to go to boarding school for high school. Because um, he was a troublesome guy? No, I mean, it's just, it, they're good feeders into the Ivy Leagues, although he didn't go to an Ivy League school. He came back to Tulane. And you went to Loyola? Yeah. So, I so came much back for that. To Loyola. Like you got a full scholarship <laughs> on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What was it like being uh, being in Connecticut of all places? It's sort of a strange place. How old were you when you went there? Like fourteen or something? Uh, yeah, I was fourteen when I started. Did um, you go on the plane all by yourself? No, my my father and my grandmother flew up with me the first time, and uh, it did you was. Have a mom? Uh, I did. She passed away when I was six. Wow. So she was not on the flight with us, but uh, 
Boarding school was cool. I had a good time. You did? You know? That's when I really food became like? a musician. The food is terrible. <laughs> Connecticut. That's, where, that's oh, where you became God. a musician at boarding school. I bet there's not too many people can say that. How, what were the circumstances yeah. that led you to music? Um, well, one of the reasons that I wanted to go to that particular boarding school was not only for the education, but they had a, a really good athletics program, and I wanted to play basketball. Hmm. Um, we were a lot taller then. <laughs> No, I have ridiculously long arms, so Do you? it's kind of weird. Let's have a look. Stick one Stick out. Stick one out. Mm-hmm. Are they long? They're each two and a half inches longer than they should be. No way. Are they really? <laughs> so that's uh, five inches in total? My wingspan is 5'10", and I'm only 5'5". Five five. <laughs> well, Hang on a minute. You're, f- <laughs> you're five feet five tall, and your mm-hmm. arms extended are five foot ten. Mm-hmm. So what is it supposed to be? Your wingspan is supposed to be your height. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. But mine is five inches Okay, taller. Julie, oh, that's nice holding hands like that. Did you know that, Julie, <laughs> that your wingspan is supposed to be I high? did. I knew that. How did you I know that? I wonder if it's true. I haven't ever <laughs> tested it. Well, you both think that. Yeah. And you might, and me, you must know because you wanted to be a sports It's a person, well-known so. fact. It's a, it's a little-known fact. Oh, you well-known. don't have to footnote it. <laughs> what, about, what about Googling that, somebody in the room here? You could Google I ge- that. I guess it's got to be true if you know it and you've heard of it. Ernie, did you know anything about that? I had no idea. Somebody, ask Siri. No idea. You know ask what it Siri. is? Ask Siri. Do you have that? Yes. Do you know about the golden mean? It's part of the golden mean. No, I don't know one thing about it. What did is that? Did you ever see that Leonardo da Vinci drawing? Did you ever see that Leonardo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where with the, the man, with the, oh, with yeah, the, yeah. With the, the hands guy. in various positions, like yes. outstretched. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the hands and the height, it's a circle. You should oh, make a right. circle. Ah, so Leonardo da Vinci figured that out yes, along with everything else that yes. he figured out. Crazy okay. bastard. Really? Figure what it a out. guy. Oof. What happened to anyone like him? Hey, listen, Mia, t- let's talk about music. You want to play a song for us? Because sure. I'm sure none of these guys know what's going on. Have you ever heard me play before? I have not. No, I'm excited. Becky, I'm excited. Julie? No. Wait till you hear this. You're going to get a shock. Okay. Play You're going to get a shock in about 10 seconds. Let's do it. Can someone, Graham, can you hand? Oh, here we go. You got it? I'm sorry that we had the guitar on the sun. Does that affect the tuning there? No. No worries. It should be all right. Okay, so Mia, give us a little bit of a hint about what you're going to do, and then um, we'll make you do it. I'm going to figure out this headphone situation. Is that okay? Hmm? Yeah, Ernie, can you can hold the wire there and you can be the tech guy. <laughs> Ernie, the tech guy. Okay. Well, he's kind of a tech guy. We're going to get on. We haven't even mentioned, you know, tech. Well, Techie Becky Techie should be Beck holding the here. wires, really. Sorry to disturb you Techie there when you're looking up the wingspan. Let me tell you what I'm... This, okay. is, this involves Mia. Let me tell you what I'm looking up. I just got into planning a huge party for graduation um, for Tulane, and they... Uh, the people helping me, the party planners helping me, sent me a list of musicians that we should contact for entertainment, and she's <laughs> on, <laughs> she's at the top of the list. So what that's just really ironic. Awesome. Is that because it's alphabetical and starts it's with hell, B? House of Blues is uh, they're helping me plan. Oh, that so. makes sense. Oh. What, does it, of, what does it What does it pay? Played before a lot of the House of Blues. That's up did? to her. <laughs> oh, really? Who <laughs> negotiate? Is that something you negotiate, Becky? No, I'm not. I'm just you, helping the person having the party. But um, hey. Well, well, hey, no that's pressure. What, no pressure I, for the addition. <laughs> what are you going to play, Mia? Um, I guess I'll play a tune for my new album. Um, it's called Mississippi Rising. Okay. Okay. I was born on the river. Born a sinner I got blood on my hands But I don't give a damn Because I did it for me See, I'm a child of the bayou A southern girl through and through 
I've seen the floods in the streets, I've heard the screams and the heat, and I know just what it means. The tide is rolling in to wash us all away. Lord, come and save us all, cause there ain't nothing left to do but pray. Mississippi rising, come to take me away. Yeah, Mississippi rising on a sunny day. Got to survive in the dirty, got to help when it's hurting. You got to love when it's lost, you got to cover the cost, you got to fight when it's crossed. Politicians switch positions when a woman's rights turn their attention to their pensions and forget to cry. While people dying, people crying, simply trying to survive it. Mississippi rising, come to take me away. Yeah, Mississippi rising on a sunny day. Oh, Mississippi rising. Mississippi rising, come and take me away. Yeah, Mississippi rising on a sunny day. Oh, Mississippi rising, come and take me away. Yeah, Mississippi rising on a sunny day. Oh, Mississippi rising. You're going to get a nice surprise here, didn't I? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, what a voice! That was great. You that was to wonderful. You still play for that party. I just <laughs> How, did you just did you, did you just text them, Booker? I, I sent an email. Very good. Okay. Congratulations. We just got you a job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now pull up a chair so we can actually hear you here. I've gone deaf here. Chris, is it? Can you turn me up a little bit or something? Or is it just me? Hey, um, when did you write that? Um, I wrote you that You can have a drink, one. by the way, if you like. Hey, can someone get it? What happened to the waitress? Can someone go grab her? She's Sorry. <laughs> it's so busy here today. It's crazy, it the number is. of people here Festival at the festival season. Yeah, it's jazz oh, fest it's time. It's all crazy. So, sorry, you wrote that when? I wrote that song probably about a year and a half ago, I want to say. What's it about? Um, well, there was all that stuff about the Mississippi River rising past a certain level, and mm, past if they were seventeen gonna, feet, something yeah, other if they flood were stage, blow yeah. a levee or something, right. and all that stuff. And, oh, and so, it was, so it's literally about the Mississippi rising. It is literally about the Mississippi rising. Cool. So we've done some research during the time that you're <laughs> singing that song. I didn't, but our producer Graham Duponte just gave me a note uh, that said that 
Arm length greater than height indicates Marfan's syndrome, oh. which, Abraham, nice. which Abraham Lincoln had. Anna Minjus actually well, found that, right. apparently. is another one of our assistants here. I've got a syndrome. So you had the same syndrome that Abe Lincoln had. Um, what well, does that mean, I wonder? I have no idea. Does anyone, no one has any medical abilities around here whatsoever, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's good. And then uh, our other bit of information came in while during that song about that St. Martin's High School, which you went to, Julie, just started drug testing students. <laughs> it's been going on for a while. I feel like I remember that when I was applying. Somebody who went there told me that. That's Chris. Is our our tech guy tells his girlfriend went to St. Martin's and they would cut her hair off to do drug testing on your hair. You can't fall. You can't fall it if it's. You can't fall the hair. You can tell how long it's been in your system by the. And what happens if they if they can tell you've been smoking weed or something? Then what do they do? I don't know. You're gone. That's it. What is the point of going to high school if you can't smoke weed? (laughs) (laughs) Really? What was the weed smoking situation in Panama then, uh, Ernie? Uh, It actually, you know, where it comes from. Yeah, well, that was back when Noriega was in power, and people in Panama didn't screw around. I think Noriega wasn't Noriega. Wasn't he smuggling drugs himself? Right, so I guess, I guess only he could do it, you know. I don't know, I don't know what the deal was, but it was, you didn't, people didn't do drugs in Panama, at least none of my friends. Yeah. What, what years were you in high school in Panama? Uh, 72 uh, to 76. And what were you doing in Panama? My mother's Panamanian. She moved back to Panama and took my brother and I there. And so another split relationship where your parents split up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What went so wrong for your parents, do you think? Ooh, I don't know. Have you seen the TV show Mad Men? Yeah. <laughs> that pretty okay. much describes it. Wow. What did your dad do? He wasn't an advertiser. No, he was a psychoanalyst. Wow. wow. Wait, that'll do it to you right there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so your mom was pretty brave to marry a psychoanalyst, I Yeah, would say. she had no idea. You know, that whole analysis thing was just kind of blossoming. So that was, He was a real psychoanalyst where you lie on the couch. That Ex- type, oh, like yeah, Freud. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So that was happening. That was, that was Because that's so out now, right? No one does that anymore, right? I don't know. I didn't, you know, there weren't that many people. Well, very few people admit that they do it. So it's very hard. It's not, some, it's not a box you check free, you know. Really? <laughs> no. It's one of those things where you, you do it for life, right? You check in and you no, go. No, Woody Allen and... Um, Barbara Streis- Streisand do it for life, but I think most people... Because you can't afford it, <laughs> yeah, I suppose, I, I, at 150 yeah, I, bucks a I, shot or whatever. Yeah, I think it's... Usually it's like four to five years is what I've, you know... So you go once a week for four to five years, you lie no, on the No, you cup. go four to, four to five times a week. What? Four yes. to five times intense. a week? Oh, yeah. It's, it's no... It's th- a journey. It's a personal... Journey. It's a personal journey into yourself, though, which... Not, what could be worse than that? I don't know. <laughs> really? Who would want to find out about themselves? That's the last thing you want to know about, isn't it? Uh, no, I think... No? You know, You'd think be interested so yeah, in yeah. doing psychotherapy like that? No, I think, I think drugs are just easier. <laughs> well, that's what, they, that's what they do now, isn't it? I mean, if you go to a psychiatrist now, they give you drugs so that you don't have to confront yourself, so you can run away from it immediately yeah, just and just be like everybody else rather yeah. than yourself. Yeah, if you just drop acid, so it's meant- a lot faster and cheaper. Well, here we go now. Um, <laughs> how much acid have you dropped? Uh, very little, very little. You're not a big acid swallower, Becky? No, do you know anything no. about his drug not background? Bad. No. Let's find out. Did you do a lot of drugs, Becky? None. None, no. Me too, nothing. <laughs> Ernie, what's the? Where did you do acid? It wasn't in Panama. That was after Panama. I no, no I, yeah, I, uh, I don't remember. It was in another country. And <laughs> Good besides, answer. And besides, Good answer, officer. So you went to, to Panama when you started high school with your mom, who left your psychoanalyst dad, yeah. and moved to Panama. Mm-hmm. That's two major things to do. 
something to leave, you know, to break up a family and then to move them to Panama. Was it you and your brother, did you say? Well, the family thing broke up like when I was five. So there was, there was some time to adjust to each of those shifts. But yeah. So did you, do you think, I mean, you must have considered this before, that if your dad was a psychoanalyst, he should have been able to keep a marriage together. <laughs> Which one? Um, well, you think, your own, wouldn't you think? You know, you think a lot of things, like, you know, you go to, like, you know, I do yoga, and you go to, yeah. to the yoga people, and they seem to have problems, too. So, like, there's, no, there's nobody who has all the answers. No, we all have problems, but, you know, you expect if you go to the car mechanic to get your car fixed, that he'll, his own car will run, probably. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. opposite. Is it? It's like the cobbler's yes. kids have no shoes or whatever yeah, that saying go. is. There you go. That's, yeah, that's it. So you would expect a psychoanalyst family problems to be magnified because they're totally neglected. I guess some people would expect that. I've learned not to expect that. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your relationship like with both of your parents afterwards? Um, well, with my dad for a while, it was kind of, you know, contentious just because I think that's the way it is with boys and their fathers. But... Um, mm. You know, and my mom, when she moved to when we moved to Panama, I didn't like that. I hated that. That was you like, hated Panama. Oh, initially I did, just yeah. because I was tw- you know I was twelve, wow. and that's in in an age when you you're making friends and all that kind of stuff. But looking back on it, that was one of the best experiences I ever had in my life. To live in another country and I learned Spanish and got a different perspective of the world that I wouldn't have gotten if I had lived in the U.S. What was the perspective change mostly about? Um, well, I think for me it was. Yeah, it was about two years of maintaining my the U.S.'s greatest country in the world and everybody else's, you know, secondary. That arrogance, which I think is pervasive in the U.S., um, it took me a while to shed that. And then I realized, well, you know, there's, there's other countries and people look at the world differently. And so that's... So you know, it broadened your horizons for real then. You yeah. can see like a, a different... Yeah. Did it? yeah, I think so. And what was it like being the only... Like it's kind of like being, being Blackskin and... Connecticut, <laughs> you're a uh, white New Orleans kid in, in Panama. It's kind of like this reverse. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, there was the people would call me gringo and they'd make fun of me and stuff like that. But <laughs> it was mostly because I didn't speak Spanish, which yeah. I actually, I mean, I, I could understand it because my mother had spoken to me in Spanish and I knew it pretty well. I just didn't, it was kind of acclimating to the, the culture and so forth. But once I did that, and, and, you know, it's like anything. Any place you go when you're the new kid, you're going to get a hard time. I think that's kind of a universal experience. I guess that's a sort of a toughening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was good. I, I, you know, looking back on it, was, like I said, it was one of the best experiences I ever had. Well, that and being holed up in the 123 Walnut during exactly. Hurricane Katrina, that, <laughs> well, that, would, that would rate up there, I would think. Yeah, and, and having kids, you know, those were all, you know, yeah, all of those. The highs and high points. Yeah. How old are your kids now? Uh, 24, 22, and 20. Okay. And they're doing Are they good. here? Uh, one, no, my son is in D.C. He, uh, he graduated from college and moved there. My daughter is in Georgia, and she's about to graduate and wants to live in Atlanta for a little while, but she'll come back. And the youngest one is in Lafayette, and she wants to go God knows where and... You know, Lafayette's great, though. Oh yeah, she. No, I wouldn't go anywhere if I. No, no, no. <laughs> but she'll move. She'll move farther away. She'll probably go to New York or something for a while and then come back. Here comes Kristen, the the waitress. Thank goodness, you're a lifesaver. What would you guys like to drink? Julie, you haven't got anything to drink. You're just going to stick I with have that. Perrier, yeah. Okay. Perrier. Becky, time for a martini. No. Ernie, I'm good, thank you. Butter? Just some more. He's got some heavy drinkers in here too. We've got some yeah. serious <laughs> drinkers going on here. Okay. So just water. Bring us some some. Some more waters. Okay. Hey, so um, how did the cute names come up for Ernie the Attorney and Techie <laughs> Becky? 
Uh, the Ernie the Attorney came about because there was a magistrate in federal court where I worked when I got out of law school who, uh, her name was Michelle Wynn. I don't, some people know who she is. And she... Anybody know who she is? Julie? No. No. Becky, do you know who she is? She's yeah. a, a former judge. Yeah, and she passed away tragically. She got hit by a drunk driver while she was riding her bike in the early morning. And so I always, you know, she used to call me Ernie the Attorney. She would call people by a sort of playful name, and that's what she called me. So when I started this weblog, I had to come up with an interesting name, and for some reason that popped into my head because it reminded me of her, so that was basically it. Well, that's kind of a nice story, except for the being killed by a sure. drunk driver first thing in the morning, right. riding a bike. And what about Tacky Becky? Ernie came up with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a marketing genius because my name rhymes with my profession. So I yes. said, you know, you got to gotta go with the Lucky name. Lucky that right? you're a technical, technical person, not something else. Like, right. I don't know. I don't know what else rhymes with Becky that you could come up with. Recky Becky, if she was a cab driver, that would not work. Mm. Cab driver. <laughs> How would that work? Recky Becky. Because Re- oh, you're wrecking a cab. W-R-E-C-K. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. <laughs> That's not bad. So, um, so, Ernie, so you were a lawyer for a while. Yeah, for a long while. A long while. And I'm still a lawyer, and I still have a few cases. But yeah. You don't look like a lawyer now with your T-shirt. Thank you so much. I, yeah. <laughs> that was the nicest thing you could have said. Oh, really? Yeah. So what happened? You just got sick of it? Got sick of lying? Uh, no, I got, no I, got si- I got sick of the, the... I like helping people, and that's why I wanted to be a lawyer. And it's very hard to help people in the legal profession because the system is so frustratingly broken. And there's so wow. much contentiousness, and you it's fight that bad. about. Oh yeah, well, have you? Yeah, that's bad. What you mean by broken? You mean you can't get justice? Um, I, no, broken by before you even think about getting justice, just getting a fair trial, or I mean, getting getting. What to is court, justice if it's not a fair trial? Getting crime. to court, just getting a trial for starters, getting documents that you are supposed to get from the opposing side, getting anything that would be normal. Mm. You, you know, it's like if if in your profession there was somebody opposed to you, and every time you tried to plug your mic in or do anything, they'd file a motion to stop it or tackle you to prevent you from stopping it. That okay. would be frustrating, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's, but... That's what but, the legal but profession I is like. But I don't live in an adversarial world. The justice system is an adversarial. And it's fine if it's an adversarial world where people te- treat each other with dignity and professionalism, but that's kind of gone by the wayside. Well, is there no dignity or respect left in anybody and anywhere anymore? Because everybody says that about politics, sure. sports... You know, no, that's music prof- is the music business like that, Mia? Very shady. Yeah. Shady, yeah. What's happened to the world, Julie? What about the design world? What about the design? Is that filled with decent people with good thoughts? I think it's filled with people, decent people with good thoughts, because you have to have good thoughts to be able to design things. So, you have to have a positive outlook and right. looking for thrills. I think design people are looking for thrills. Wow. When yes. you design a lampshade, for, is that what you do? Lampshades or lamp chandeliers? Chandeliers. Crazy. You design chandelier. a crazy chandelier. You're looking for a thrill. Yes, absolutely. You're looking. It's a very for innocent a thrill. thrill. It's an innocent thrill, but you can look for all kinds of thrills. But what if you have a job where you're looking for thrills? And I think that people in the design world just start because it's a really fun thing to do. And if you find out how you can do your funnest thing and make money, then that would be awesome if we could figure that out. Yeah. What about, though, um, there are competition. I mean, there is competition in the design. Well, there's not, you're not the only person in, even in New Orleans making light fittings. No. That's what, I think that's what Ernie's talking about, right? That there's, yeah. there's people trying to screw you every time you turn around and so undercut you or... 
short well, circuit your wiring. Well, I'll tell you this. I just found out. This is not in New Orleans, but someone from another town is copying my work. Here we go, right there. Mm-hmm. And that, I have an attorney. Oh, here, thank you. That's what so, I did. This is your designs. Oh, they're design. gorgeous. Wow. Wow, they're cool. They're sort of wrought iron chandeliers and, and brass. Um, that's a lot of gold leaf. Gold things. leaf, sorry. <laughs> wow, very impressive. And that's at julianealdesigns.com. Yes, at julianeal.com. with two L's. Neil with two L's. Neil Julie with two L's. We have a link to that on our site. Yes. Anyone looking? Thank you. Can I keep the iPad, by the way? <laughs> okay, have a look, Becky. And look, we just, we just oh. put a blog up a few minutes ago. I think I just got a text from my people who are starting our blog today. How exciting is that? So you have people who write a blog for you. You don't even do your own blog. because Well, we're going to write We're going to write the blog, famous. but we're laying it out. You know, the blog header and all the links mm-hmm. and all that. Well, you're a designer. I guess even the blog you have to lay out. I would never thought of that. I have to sit down what? there and go, I don't like that. Change that letter. Move that around. So that's the person who has to do, do it over there. Yes. So what are you blogging about? Well, right now we're going to blog about our lighting and our fabulous shop. And I have another blog, but I haven't written on it in a long time, called Bayou Contessa, where I write about things in New Orleans that I love, design and fun and thrills and people. Okay. We've got to get onto some design, fun, thrills and people in just a minute, but I think it's time to listen to another song from here, don't you? I think that's fabulous. <laughs> okay. And when we come back and talk to you, Julie, about design, fun, thrills and people, could you write that down so I remember that? Design, fun, thrills and... Design, fun, thrills and people. Can I borrow your pencil, yeah, Well, actually, I could write it down. You should write it down. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm having trouble. Okay. Mia, what are we going to listen to? Um, another one. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, another one for my new album. It's actually the first single for my new album. Okay. Now, just talk about that for a second. Sure. <clears throat> when you say, I've ne- I, haven't, I didn't know there were first singles from my new album anymore. Do people still release singles like that? I try and keep it old school. Yeah. Um, I still call it an album instead of a CD. Even what are we supposed to call it? Vinyl. Now? I don't even know. though nobody buys CDs <laughs> anymore. Nobody buys CDs. Everybody wants to get it on iTunes, which mm. you can. <laughs> oh, why, why is that such a drag for you? I mean, I have to pay iTunes, Do but you? that's okay. You have to pay iTunes every time somebody buys one. Mm-hmm. But it's the same when you make a record. You've got to pay a record company. Unless you are well, that's why company. I own the record company. So how much does iTunes get every time someone buys $9.99 cent download? Um, I think it's like 30% maybe. That much? Yeah. So you get 66 cents. Or my cents. distributor gets 30%, and then I guess a portion of that goes to iTunes. Do you do your own... Organization, management, and business? Um, no, I have a management company, Hypersoul. They manage um, other acts like Big Sam's Funky Nation, Chris Royal, and Sasha Masikowski, and Stooges, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. so they take care of that sort of stuff for you? They, they do. They're also my attorneys, so <laughs> that comes in handy. So they can sue themselves when you don't get paid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how does that work? Do you get like a quarterly report from iTunes, or do they, every time they make 66 cents, do they send it into your bank account, or how does that work? Um, um, every time they make a certain amount, they deposit it into my record label's bank account. So it has to get to a certain, like $10 or $20 or something mm-hmm. worth of sales. Yeah. You set it to a certain amount and then... Oh, you can you set that amount? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Well, it's kind of annoying. I used to have it set at 20 and then because nobody ever bought my stuff and then we started getting more press <laughs> and so I had to set it to a higher limit. What? 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 <laughs> that's nice to hear. So, yeah. so you're making some money out of iTunes, for real. Um, I mean, some, bit. not, you know. Some, I mean, the label gets most of the money. You are the label. Though. I do. I'm, I mean, I'm, the aren't label you, gets money. Aren't you the label? For, I am technically the label, but I'd like to save some money to make more albums in mm. the future. And you're going to start uh, getting other people on your label? Um, that's the plan, eventually at some point. 
So do you have to take care of business like this? Do you have to know all this crap? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I took a few music business classes in college, and I worked as a paralegal for a couple of years, so I'm pretty good with contracts and stuff. It was my original plan to be a lawyer, and then I became a paralegal, and I said no. Good move. <laughs> this is terrible. Well, let's hear what you're doing instead of law. And then I'm, I know we're going to come back and talk about design front thrills and people, but I also want to talk about this tattoo on your hand, which, uh, on your arm. Sure. Both yeah. of them. Oh, my God. I've look got, at both of them. I've got plenty of them. Okay. Well, that's plenty to talk about then. All right. Okay. What are we going to listen to? The, my first single. I'm sorry to interrupt you when you're introducing that so beautifully. What is your first single off um, the album? It's called Mama Told Me. It's available for free download right now Ooh. if you're a fan on Facebook. Woohoo! <laughs> Awkwardly positioned. Okay. Mama told me to sing. Mama told me to dance. Mama told me to be everything and take that chance. Mama told me to move. My mama told me grow. So we give it all I got Cause I got a lot Ain't that the truth Mama told me Girl, you better dance That's what she said Mama told me Girl, you better dance That's right Told me to learn. Mama told me to cry. Told me to fight whenever I get burned. Mama told me to love. Mama told me to hug. Mama told me to find the one who gets it done and never gives me up. Well, it's been a long time, but I'm still trying to win this fight. And whenever it gets too hard, I know my mama's right. Mia Borders. It looks so easy, doesn't it, when you're just sort of sitting around a table talking and you just pick up the guitar and start singing like there's nothing to it. So your mom died when you were five or six, didn't you say? Six, yeah. Six. So who is the mama in the song that you're referring to? Um, it's still her. 
Um, she was very encouraging of me being an entertainer when I was a kid. She used to put records on for me, and I would make her listen as I sang along to Whitney Houston. <laughs> and you would dance around? I would. <laughs> so that's what the song's about, Mama Told Me to Dance. Pretty much. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's cool. It stuck with me. And when you say the, so the single's out, now does it go to radio, and do you try and get it on the radio these days, or what happens here? Um, I'm mostly on public radio right now, just because there's a lot of red tape to get through when it comes to national radio and even regional radio and stuff. But uh, Public radio is kind of more respectable even now than commercial it is. radio. Which you can I mean, I love WWOZ, and, and right. they're really good to me over there, and WTUL and, and all that stuff. And so. can you get it out in New Orleans? Um, it plays on public radio um, around the country. I think whenever we play a show, we usually send advanced copies right. of music and then you know, generate some publicity on public radio. That's a great song. Well, thank I you. I can see why you picked it as a, <laughs> as a single off the record, or whatever it's called now. <laughs> okay. Let's get on with it, Julie. Design, fun, thrills, and people. And Ernie, what did I say I was going to talk about with you after? Can you remember? I, haven't, I forgot. Can't remember either? No. Too much acid. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there we go. Julie, design, fun, thrills, and people. Shall we, we, well, we know a little bit about what you design. You design light fittings. Yes. And how did you start designing light fittings? Why light fittings, of all things? Well, you know, everyone asked me that, and I sort of had them in my head, and then... I was not, in interior. Not literally, of course, because that. Was... Yeah, well, it kind of hurt, so I knew I needed to get them out. Okay. You know what I mean, it's kind of rattling around in there. I think it's called Marfan syndrome. I think I have that. Yes, Abraham Lincoln had it. And so I was a really I was a painter. Oh. And then I needed something to paint. I'm kind of like a, a useful person, so I kind of felt like I needed something to paint on. And I was making wooden furniture that was not fun to paint on, and all of a sudden. I wanted to make lighting, and I was an interior designer, and everybody needed a light, and they couldn't find the light they wanted. So, you know, I'm thinking, I'll but you're make making them. furniture already. I was already making. See, people furniture. say something like that sounds so easy to. I mean, it's like picking up a guitar and playing, well, saying like anyone could do it. Making furniture. I wasn't making the furniture. I was designing the furniture and having it made, and then I was painting on the furniture, okay. and then so that got people knowing that I could make things. So, of course, then if you can make furniture can you make a light well sure i can you know make a light <laughs> so you made find, one i can find someone who can make a light so you don't physically make them you don't get the wrought iron and no what we do it. is i draw all the pictures i work with a bunch of different fabricators and i draw the pictures i draw them and i draw life size so they we know exactly what we're going to do Are you doing it freehand or on a computer completely freehand i am so against you going to like draw <laughs> can, you, can you draw a light for us like sitting here absolutely come on man <laughs> what do you want oh I don't know, come something on. that would go in my house. Okay. It's a tent. <laughs> okay. Look, I can make you this fabulous thing. Yeah. So you start off with, what are you starting off with? Well, You're starting off with the bottom. Off, no, this is like part That's of it. And then we can put some fun things. Look. We're going to get onto fun right now. This actually. is, here you go. Here's your long ponytail. So oh, I'm, so it's based on. <laughs> it's sort of a portrait a, of you. It's sort of like inspired by my head. And look, here comes some of your glasses. I mean, I'm putting that into. Is this the, the sort of thing you do, really? You, you'll design like a commission for someone Absolutely. based on what they're looking for in their own personality. I will tell you one of the funnest ones that I ever did um, yes. was for Temple Sinai in New Orleans. Rabbi Cohn called I, I need said, something Jewish. Okay. <laughs> Rabbi Cohn called and said, I need a Jewish chandelier. And he said, I need it to be 60 inches in diameter, and it can only be 18 inches high. What are we going to do about that? What, is that some sort of foreskin? That's no, it's a ceiling height issue. He had a big, a huge room and a short ceiling. So we, 
Um, so I went over and... What sort, of a, what sort of a room is that? Is it in the synagogue or is it in his house? It's in the entry. It's this an entry to their, um, you know, their common area. You know, they're right. not inside it's not where in the, the... It's before you go into the synagogue it's itself. It's like in the in, lobby of the synagogue. Yes. It's sort of like their, I'm going to say parish hall because I'm Catholic, but it's not their <laughs> parish hall. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. I love my dialogue with Rabbi Cohn because he knows I'm Catholic and I know he's Jewish. And Well, we, he's a rabbi. You'd know We that. get it all to, going on. But the thing is about being Catholic is it's all about iconography. As you know, you grow up in the church with all the symbols, 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 and I'm a symbol person. So anyhow, Rabbi Cohn called and he said, I know you can make me a chandelier and it has to be this big and it has to be this tall. So he, sa- he started saying all his things. I, we want the tree of life and we want chains and we want a crown and we want a menorah. Or he wasn't saying all of that, but then the design drew, the, the, what we needed to do to make it stay on the ceiling, we needed something to because. It was heavy, so we needed many points to hang it from, which made me come up with a Star of David that was mounted on the ceiling. And then from those six points, chains came down that held up the lighting part, which turned out to be a menorah, and it has a big shade on it that has the Tree of Life all the way around it. And on the bottom is a little piece that reminds him of a pomegranate, because pomegranate is very symbolic in the Jewish faith. So... He always says, well, you, you just came up with the best thing. And I say, you gave it to me. All I, I sat there and took it, and then it kind of goes into my soul. Then I have, what do I have? I have design, fun, fun thrills, and people. I do it for the people that want it, and it's a, a fun thrill to design something that fabulous. Yeah, beautiful. That's awesome. What a great answer. <laughs> so, and it's awesome. It is awesome. So huh? you must be finding out interesting things about people because mostly it's not the rabbi in the synagogue. Mostly it's someone's house, I suppose, you're going into. Well, right? sometimes it's... But people... I've had clients Nia say... Nia Terazakis, for example. You, get, you got me in light. Well, I think that she's... Does client. she have one of your lights? I, do not, I don't remember designing anything for her, but I think she may have purchased some pieces for me. She's, she's a dermatologist, know. so she wants something yes. smooth. Smooth and beautiful. But glowing at and the same glowing. time. Absolutely, Yes. But people have said, you've got me in lighting. Like, they come and say, I want this, I'm thinking of that. And we'll do, you know, I'll find ways to make something that I've never made before if you say that's what you want. Do you have to deal with people who you don't like? Occasionally. But, <laughs> but I'm reading a new book. And oh, I, that'll solve everything. You've got what, to learn to it? like something about everybody. So you, is that what the book's called? Yeah. No, it's called The Power. The Power. And you have to love everything and everybody. And that, and that gives you the power, or that is the power of the That universe? is the power of living well. That is according to who wrote this. <laughs> who wrote this? Yeah, who wrote the book. The girl who wrote The Secret, Rhonda Byrne. I guess after you write The Secret, you've got to come up with something. Yes, how do you that follow didn't, up that the That didn't secret? work. Well, I guess that secret didn't work. The power. No, the, <laughs> the secret. The, sec- the secret is so effective. And if The Secret was really that good, you wouldn't have to write The Power. No, you, that would be, you be can, my theory. I think that you can add to This is a fabulous book. Did you read The Secret? I did. And did you use any of its secrets? I really did. What was the secret that I you used e- most? If it was so great, why do you need The Power? Okay, this, because it just reminds... The Secret says if you can think it, you can have it. And that's kind of sort of my philosophy of life. If you can think of a life mm-hmm. you want, you can have it because I'll get it for you one way or another. Okay. So what does the power tell you? The power says you have to 
find love and joy in everything you do. And that's true. You, it just reminds you to think that way every day. I wonder what she's going to do next. I hear she can... has one called something else. The secret, the power. What comes after that? The secret says it that is. you can have anything you want. The power says that you have to love and respect and There's you know, a third everybody. One. What's next? Techie Becky should Google yeah, that really quick. Yeah. Check it out. Because one of our crack team here will find out what it is. It's Rhonda Byrne. It's probably the secret. It's probably the money. It pr- probably that, that is. Would, that would be what I would think. When you think that she must have made a lot of money, she got Oprah. She got Oprah suckered into the secret. I think it should be the thrill. The thrill. Because that's all. Why don't what you it's do that? Because I'm busy having the thrill. <laughs> <laughs> I think the secret and the power is to write the thrill. I think you're correct. I better leave now. I have something I have to go do. Jot that down right under the diagram of my face as a light. So that's pretty exciting then. It is you very love, exciting. You really love what you do. I really love what I do. It's really nice to meet someone who really loves it. Becky, do you love what you're doing? I like helping people. I often say I help the helpless with their um, digital disasters. because, And I don't so much work with real estate agents. I have a lot of clients that are agents. But um, it's mostly helping people that are com- like compu- computer helpless. And they're Most of us don't helpless. know what the heck is going on. Well, with I it. would, you know... I'm helpless, but I have Brent, and mm-hmm. so I just scream, "Brent, help me!" But <laughs> well, you could scream, "Becky, help me!" And then... well, I would be screaming. I would say, "Becky, come hang with me." I have Brent, but maybe we could also talk about. You know, I have, I have most of the people who work with me are at least twenty years younger than I am, so they were born with the the computer instinct that we're taking people, over. People in our age. Group, we're not born with an instinct for computer things. You have to learn it. But and it, well, change, Be- it changes every day. But aren't you guys like relatively the same age, probably? No, I think I'm older than she is. I'm 53. Close. Okay. Close. So how did you learn to be so technically savvy, Becky? There was such a need for it. Everything's computerized and digital. And, what did you do uh, before that, then? Though? I worked at a law firm also. Well, you were a lawyer, too? No. You were just working um, as a law yeah. in the law office. Well, I went to um, tech, learn, took a lot of technical courses, but just foreseeing the future way back then, being paperless. Paperless—that's one of these words okay. that shows up on your website that I had a look at. Mm-hmm. What is the big attraction to? Why, why do you hate paper? Do you like it? <laughs> look at all the paper I have here. <laughs> it's I live by bits of paper. What are you going to do with it when we when we leave? I'm going to throw it away. But if I don't have this crap in front of me, like I do this research on you or someone gives it to me and shows me this stuff and I have all this information and then I figure out what I'm going to ask you, you know, sort of, and then I... Actually, I don't because then I just forget it, basically. But at least I've done some research. <laughs> right. And I know that the word paperless shows up on your website. So what, what is wrong with me printing? Other than I know that I'm using up trees, but I'm also giving someone a job at Office Depot when I go and buy this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's just the... Uh, the matter of finding things more easily and yes. being more organized. That's why I say digital disaster. Because if your computer files are a mess, your life probably is too, in another way. What way? It's just disorganization. It's clutter. Your com- if your computer's cluttered, it, it like, can clutter your mind. And what's wrong with having a cluttered mind, exactly? What do you get done? <laughs> well, can't you be a creative person and have sort of all sorts of different thoughts firing off and not have to have everything all in order? Are, are your, like, chandeliers and designs, they're all computerized somewhere, right? So what if uh, there's a hurricane or a fire or a flood or 
another natural disaster. Okay, this is what I'll tell you. I'm all about paperless because you can hand me this piece of paper right now and I cannot leave my chair and I will lose this piece of paper. <laughs> well, that's true. I'll you give know, you that. I like that there's somewhere in this universe that something paperless can be found because a piece of paper can be lost and never found again. So that's what I love. No, my designs are not computerized. They, They're all they on... No. They're on the website. Well, pictures of them are, but how to make them are all still life-size drawings on paper because that's you can't do it on a computer. You literally can't do it. Do you, do you scan do the paper later? I don't scan you the You never paper. scan the paper? No. Why? Because you just don't... Well, they're huge. They're oh, all okay. life-size, oh, gotcha. so that's really hard to that's, scan. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, but I'm all for paperless paper, paperwork. I'm all for paperless paperwork, but what I do, it doesn't... We've tried to do it by computer, and it's too perfect and it doesn't have a hand quality to it so i guess we could scan it but i have them all i have a clothesline across my office with a b c d e f g and every drawing is um clothes pinned on all, all the a chandeliers are under that but i can find that because it's a big drawing a little piece of paper I love paperless changed my life as far as paperwork goes. Right. Paperwork. I'm all for her 100%. Well, I've got a question for you because when you mentioned what happens in a, you know, in a natural disaster, we all discovered in Katrina that we lost all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have this, you know, drive on my computer that I had this external drive and I had everything backed up to it. Well, that didn't do a great deal of good. Right. What, what should we do? Where should we back store, up? When, when Katrina hit, I was working for a company called Cerner Corporation out of Kansas City. They um, are computerized medical records across the world, throughout the world. So like Our Lady of the Lake in Baton Rouge is paperless medical records. So if it's stored on, you know, having a backup in other parts of the country. Well, I don't have look, a hospital, though. I am just have my little computer. Well, look what happened to the mortgage and conveyance office. Yeah, last will, year I know. When, but what should we do as individuals if we have, you know, I have my home computer with all my garbage on it and photos and songs and everything? Where, where should I? But where should I back it up to? Is this some offsite thing? Is that the way to go? In, That's what the in the cloud. cloud. The cloud. The cloud. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do, Mia? Um. Yes and no. I have a lot of external hard drives. Mm, <laughs> yeah, but so do I. But what happens, you know, when your house burns down or gets flooded? I, That's all gone. I'm gonna be screwed. Yeah, so well, so Techie Becky, let's get let's solve Becky this right now. Help me. Yeah, I need <laughs> help too on that. Is there a place in Colorado where there's a huge storage thing? I've heard that there's a big, huge thing. area fifty one. That is, it's a big yeah. computer in Colorado. When you back up, that's where it goes. Oh, they is go. All, it goes all over. It's not just in one place, but. We use something called Dropbox. It's Dropbox.com. Dropbox. And every single piece of paper, photo, song, everything I have is on Dropbox. So if you ask me for my baptism record right now, Mm -hmm. I can. So Dropbox is the key to the whole thing. Mia, you got that? I do have Dropbox. Oh yeah. You've got Dropbox. I do. So never mind the old. I need. You got to actually set it up. Then I'm on. Okay. So you got to set it up so that everything backs up to Dropbox somehow. So you or you. You don't really back it up. You just store it there. So I can log on to any computer here or anywhere in the world and go be right back. Is it expensive? It's two two gigabytes a month. Or two gigabytes are free. Fifty is ten dollars a month. Fifty gigabytes. But there are so many other options right, right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dropbox it is. Good to know, right? Yes. Okay. I'm going to see if we can talk me into playing one more song before <laughs> yeah. we have to all go away. But first, I want to ask you about these tattoos. Yeah, sure. Because they look like, what is that? Sp- it's, Spanish. it's in Spanish. Okay, so um, now, 
We happen to have a Spanish speaker and reader over here and Ernie the attorney. We have to get a photo of this. Hey, say it into the microphone here, Ernie. Es mejor morir, no. Morir de pie. Oh, que vivir de rodillas. Okay. It's better to live standing up than to die on your knees. Beautiful. Good translation. Wow. So this is written for those of you. Well, take a look on our Facebook page and you'll see photos flip of that. it. Uh-oh. It's better to die standing than I'm live sorry, on your I'm knees. I'm sorry. Right. Ah, <laughs> well, okay, I was okay. hoping to get both, you know, both things. I was trying yeah. to get you everything that you but could have. It's better yeah, to... Right. Can you so say it again? Better to die standing than live on your knees. And can you say it in Spanish? Es mejor morir de pie que vivir de rodillas. Wow. My mouth is a little dry. Okay. So that came out funny. What's up with the drinks here? <laughs> so... Um, what, what made you choose, other than the obvious inspiration, um, the sort of strength? It's a, a quote from Che Guevara. Um, and my mother was a big fan of, of his work and, and his message that he, he spread around the world. And she actually named my older brother Che after him. Um, and that, that quote is something that stuck with me for her and for him and my brother. And so it all came together pretty nicely. And when- this is kind of... When I quit my job as a paralegal and I knew I didn't have to be appropriate looking all the time, I went and got these. <laughs> so, well, cool. This is my did, did biggest the, tattoo by far. They are big. I mean, they're on both arms, both forearms. Mm-hmm. Did it? Um, has that inspired a song? Um, not directly, but I'm sure the place that I was in when I got these tattoos inspired most of my new material. When you so. see the physical place or the mental the, place? Mental, emotional, spiritual place. Wow. Let's have a listen to one more then. Sure. Come on. What would you like to play? Um, I suppose I should do another one from the new album. You can do whatever you want. Uh, This is called I've Got It All. Okay. Mia Borders. Thank you. They only pay attention with the wires over here. I think I'm good. me now There ain't no breaking me down Feels like I'm floating in the air And the very best part is my heart is full up for all the ones who help me get it It's time I'm doing it right It's time I'm making it mine Ain't no one holding me down I've got it all, I've got it all and I'm not it 
Yeah. I've all got right. it all. Mia bought it. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mia, for playing those three songs for us today Thank off you. your new album, Wherever It Is. Wherever There Is. Wherever There Is. Oh, I almost had that right <laughs> as well. And uh, you'll be playing at Jazz Fest this week as well, and next week? Thursday. Next, the, fir- the Thursday of Jazz Fest. That's the locals' day. That is the locals' day. That's going to be great. On Gentilly stage. Wow, the big stage. Yeah. Well, congratulations. My third year on Gentilly stage. I'm looking forward to it. You are doing great. Well, we look forward to following everything you do in the, next, uh, in the coming year or two and see what happens. You're going a long way. I hope so. I hope so, too. I think it's true. <laughs> Ernie, the attorney, otherwise known as Ernest Fenton, that's your real name, right? That is my Thank real you. name, yeah. Thank you for joining yeah. me as well. Tacky Becky, Becky Diamante, thanks Thank for joining us in Happy Hour. And Julie Neal as well. It's been a lot of fun, thrills, and design all around here, I think. Today. Yes, fun, thrills, and design. That's Thank Happy you. Hour for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Our producers are Melinda Hawes, Anoush Karun, Trish Kaufman, and Graham DePonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. Our web designer and link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was written and is being played currently by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. Our show is recorded live at the Collins Hotel in Uptown New Orleans. You can check out our other happy hours and other shows on itsneworleans.com. Out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti live at Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic and True to the Game. With Chris True and Tammy Nelson, you can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting. For itsneworleans.com, for Mitch Foreman on piano and everybody here at the Collins Hotel, I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Happy Hour. <laughs>